week two of a very short series, a two-week series, simply called Grow. It's a, it's a short word, but it means so much to the church. And if you missed last week, I want to encourage you, get, get online and listen to the message. I'm pretty sure it's up and ready to roll. Jared's saying yes. If you missed it, I'd love for you to listen to that. Because I, I believe that this, this is the word that God's given me for this year. I think he's saying to us, church, my heart is for growth. My heart is for you to grow. And to grow in three ways. Upward and our faith and love for God. That's what we focused in on last week. That's why immerse is important. That's why prayer and fasting is important. That's why small groups are important and lots of other things. And inward Grow inward, in other words, in our love for each other and the health and the fellowship within the church and then outward, how we love our community, how we reach those who haven't yet encountered Jesus. We know that the gospel is for all people. We know that that Jesus came and died for all people. And so we have that same heart that he had. So we want to grow outwards and reach more people. You remember last week, um, we, we, we read a passage in Acts about the new church and, and it was, it's exciting what was going on in that early church there. And it finished with this particular statement from Luke. He wrote this in, in Acts. It says, um, And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So my question there on that verse is, who added to their fellowship? And it's not a rhetorical question. Who added to their fellowship? The Lord because I think God's heart, and, and, and this, this proves it, God's heart is for growth, is it not? The church should be growing one way, and one way, one way it should be growing is through those who are being saved. People were added to the church. Growth can be seen. There's fruit in the church when, things, when it's healthy and we're growing now, growth is tangible. People's lives literally change. It's not just about seeing more numbers. And if you think I'm preaching two sermons about more numbers in the church, I assure you that I am not doing that. What I'm saying is that God is in the redemption business. He's in the change business and he's in the growth business. And if the church is aligned with God, then all those things should be visible. The fruit is missing in the church. You have to stop. The church has to reflect and ask itself why. Because Jesus himself refers to our faith in the church as being like a vine. You know, this terminology is all through the Bible, isn't it? This, this idea of trees and seeds and branches and things growing. And we as followers of Christ are the church, and the church should be growing in those ways. And there should be the fruit and the connection to the the branches are connected to the vine. But sadly, all too often, the church, it, it, it can struggle to grow in these, in these ways. And there can be some reasons for that. And, and so I, I just jotted down a few thoughts. On what, what would stop a church from growing? So maybe this is a little depressing, but worth us considering. Okay, so the first one I had is that sometimes it's because the church can be very inward-only centric. And even though I'm preaching on inward growth, if we just focus on that only, we're not focusing outwards. We get stuck on just our own needs and desires. And those things can be good, but they lack the focus that Jesus called us to in the New Testament and, and what he demonstrated where he went 
to everybody. He went to the people and he loved everybody. The next one is sometimes the church doesn't grow because of disunity. You know, if you've been in the church for any time, and I'm not talking about us specifically, I'm talking in general, across the board, you've, you've probably seen that happen, right? Or maybe worse, you've been part of it. When a church has, a, has major disagreements over a whole range of things, it can be anything from theological differences to um, you know, worship style difference to um, how, what, what building you want to build. You, know, you name it, I bet you the church has found a reason to have a disagreement on something. But when that happens, there's no growth in the church. Sometimes the church doesn't grow because of a lack of vision or understanding of the purpose, like a, uh, a combined agreement on the purpose of the church. And it's, it's too easy to just cruise along and go through the church motions. You know, but we, we've been given an assignment. We're told to go. And go means grow. That rhymes. That's pretty good. Yeah. Sometimes the church doesn't grow because of lack of faith. We don't believe that God can do the things he said he would do. You know, we don't believe in his promises. We don't believe he can do the miraculous. We don't believe we can actually make a difference in our community. And a lot of times that's because we just we haven't seen it for so long. Our faith drops. And we lack trust in the Lord that he will do what he said he can do. Sometimes churches won't grow because of poor leadership. You know, some people just aren't suited to leadership. Or at the very least, there's leaders who don't grow as leaders. They don't do the hard work to grow. Every leader should be stretching themselves and growing as a leader. Now, the reverse is true because sometimes a church fails to trust a leader. And I've seen that one too. Sometimes it's a toxic culture. The fruit of the Spirit can be missing which I hate to say it usually means maybe the Holy Spirit is kind of missing too. Can I, can I say that? Is that okay? Elders sometimes may have the wrong agendas. Driven people in the church who forget that people come first. Sometimes the culture can feel more like the Pharisees are in charge rather than Jesus. There's a lack of Christian submission to each other. People who just need to get their way will be right all the time. All these things can mix into a toxic culture, not just the church. We've all experienced this in, in the places we work, in perhaps unis and things like that, right? So it's not just us, but we're supposed to be different and better. You know, I recently talked to a, an experienced, very experienced pastor who's very well respected, and he, he quit the church. And I, and I said, why? What happened? He said it, just, it was just one person, one elder, who year after year would white ant me, you know, would just talk about me badly constantly to everyone else in the church. He said, I just got to the point, I said, I'm done. And he, and he quit. And he's not the first pastor to tell a story like that. Sometimes a church doesn't grow because there isn't enough church, uh, people in the church willing to pay the price of growth. There's an unwillingness to do anything uncomfortable or to accept change. And there can be a culture sometimes of half-heartedness. Things are often, that are often heard in these churches might be things like, good enough, it'll be right, that's way too much effort, that's too costly, 
That's not how we do things. I love that one. And somehow, or someone else will take care of that and I don't have to. Those are the sorts of things that, that can be heard when we're not willing to pay the, the price of, of growth. And the last reason, and, and I'm sure there's many, many more, these are just a few that I've come up with, is that we, just, we don't keep Jesus at the centre. In the end, it's for God's glory and his mission, and his mission is our mission. So he comes first. And growth is not for my glory, not for Nathan Bell's glory. It's not for the Hills Church glory. It's not for prideful reasons. It's not to boast. Churches who don't put Jesus first usually don't value prayer. They don't value scripture. And they don't know how to dwell in, in quite frankly, in his presence. And this is why, for me, the prayer meeting, it's just so important to us. And as I always say, if you can't make Wednesday nights, pray at home. Be part of a church that prays because it's about Jesus. He comes first. And if Jesus goes to the back seat, any growth that we see is actually not from him. It's not the Lord added to them. It's our own strength. It's in vain. Now, there may be other reasons why churches don't grow. Grow, You might say, you know, Pastor, what a, you forgot to mention Satan. What, doesn't he stop churches from growing? Well, I didn't forget him, but you'll notice most of those things that I mentioned. It kind of wasn't really the devil that was getting in the way of a church growing. It, it was really, it was us. You know, it, it's sin. It's a failure to repent. And those things can stop the church from growing. Maybe sometimes we give too much credit to that guy, to Satan. So what is the answer for us? Well, let me ask you, church, do you believe that God's heart is for growth? Well, let's have a look at 1 Corinthians today. We're in chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature, aren't you living like people of the world? Now, this sounds like a good church, doesn't it? Uh, I mean that in a joking way, by the way. <laughs> I don't think that sounds like us. And, you, and there might be some familiar language in there. You know, last week we were in Hebrews 5, do you remember? And there was talk of milk and solid food there as well. Maybe it is Paul that wrote Hebrews. After all, there's some similarities, particularly in this particular scripture. But once again, we can see that God's heart is for us to grow up, to grow in our faith, you know, to not be stuck on the, on the simple basics of our faith, to, to get off the milk, the bottle, to put it down and to get to the solid food. That's what Paul's trying to say. I think that in this scripture, you see a heart for us to grow up. So let me just quickly cover last week again, and I promise this is very quick. God's heart is for us to grow upward, to be mature in our faith, 
and in our emotions and mature in our relationship with him and with others, to know his heart, to really trust him. And if you, again, I say, if you missed last week, go back to the website and, and listen to that message because I'm not going to dwell on this one for too long today. And, and if you're only here for this week, you'll think, Nathan, you focus too much on other things and not enough on the Lord, and, and I'm not. It's a two-part series, so you've got to make sure you get last weeks. But let me remind you that growth takes personal growth. In our walk with the Lord, takes discipline, hard work, self-reflection, repentance, and a desire to change like Jesus would have us change, to be more like him. Now, there's a quote I want to give you from John Maxwell. He's a, he's a really cool guy, and I hope this helps you. He says, my growth journey from where I began has often been uncomfortable. It's not pleasant to face where you fall short. It's difficult to leave the familiar in order to grow. But growth comes only as a result of dropping bad habits, changing wrong priorities, and embracing new ways of thinking. People who do not grow cling to the familiar and do not improve. They won't face what is wrong so they can discover what is right. How sad. Now, hear this last sentence from Maxwell. The surrender of being right is a prerequisite to finding right. This is, that's hard stuff, by the way. That's hard stuff to actually be able to sit there and say, where am I? Where, where are my weaknesses? Where do I need to grow? Where, where do I think I'm so right that I can just let that, that go and find out actually if there's something I need to change within me? I'll leave that one alone for now. God's heart is for us to grow outwards. So we go back to our scripture in verse 4. When one of you says, I am a follower of Paul, and others says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting like people of the world? After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it. And it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. So I just want you to look beyond the issue of inward growth and look beyond, you know, there's a, there's a story in this passage about people's disunity in the church and one following another and all that sort of stuff. I just want you to look beyond that for a second because it's in this scripture I want you to see God's heart for the lost and for growth. You know, he, he uses the words himself. It was God who made it grow. His heart is for the, the gospel, the good news, to be growing and spreading. His heart is for the lost. Seed planting, watering, and growth. People being added to the kingdom. It's right here in the scriptures. God is about growing his kingdom, and first and foremost, he's about growing the seed that oh, we, we plant. And he grows that into salvation and a fully transformed life in Christ. So God is a God of growth. However, our job is to plant the seeds. So we're about growth too. We plant the seeds. It's one of our mission statements. We plant seeds. Someone else waters the seeds. God makes them grow. We are responsible for that. 
The Bible's full of this seed planting terminology. In fact, this week, if you're doing the immerse reading in Luke, you will read about the parable of the sower and you know how he scatters the seed around liberally on all the different types of soil. The point about that, obviously, is about what happens when the seed is planted and how it, the different ways that it grows. But we are the sower. We have to scatter the seed. They're planted by us. They're watered by us. And God makes them grow. That means God has a heart for this church to grow outwards to the lost world around us. And that should be the fruit that we are seeing. The Lord added to their fellowship daily. Number three, God's heart is for us to grow inwards. That doesn't mean we're collapsing inwards. That doesn't mean that we're focusing just on us. It means that there is growth within our fellowship. That's what I'm talking about. Verse 8, the one who plants and the one who waters, what do they do? They work together for the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their hard work. Thank you, Lord. We are both God's workers and you are God's field. You are God's building. So again, let me say, not focused inwards, growing inwards. Does that make sense? According to the Scriptures, we work together, not as individuals, not separately. We actually have a, a, a thing to do together with the a same common purpose. We're on that same bus. You know, who loves a good bus trip? Yeah. One person put their hand up. And, but when it's filled with all of the people that you love and that are on the same journey and are going on the, in the, for the same purpose, the same destination, that bus trip is good, or it should be, except for when someone takes up too much space or they take up all the luggage rack or they... <laughs> no, but this is what happens in the church, right? <laughs> sure. If that's what happens to you, Chris. <laughs> it does happen to us. God's heart is for us to grow closer and for our fellowship to be stronger and it's united around Jesus and his common purpose for the church. Now this Corinthians passage, I know it's mostly about working together. That's the bit I've highlighted there. Um, but you, you have to remember the passage from Acts 2 last week. I'm not going to read it again, but they were doing lots of things together, weren't they? Um, you know, they sat under teaching together. They ate together. They worshipped together. They prayed together. They cared for each other. Some people would even sell possessions to make sure others would be provided for. That's the kind of inward growth I'm talking about that the New Testament church really sets a great example for. The church is powerful when we're united together. And I'm reminded again today that this is Jesus' idea. He wanted us to be here today to be together because he knew that we, would, that we needed each other and he knew that we would be more effective together for his kingdom and his purpose. I need you, you need me, and we need each other. You know, I've got it written here, no one can do their spiritual walk by themselves. Now, it, it is possible, but it would be really, really hard. And when I've seen people try to do it, it doesn't go well. Yes, we take responsibility for our own personal growth. We have to do that. But doing with, with others who love Jesus is so much better. And Jesus knew that. So again, I say, church, 
Let's encourage each other in life. Let's encourage each other in our faith. Pray for each other. Study the Bible together. Help each other, especially when someone is down. Or even if someone has fallen. Let's help and lift each other up. Be involved with each other. I understand that kind of thing is um, easier for some than others. You know, the extroverted people here, the, when I say be involved with each other, they're like, yes, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm in on that. And then the other 90% of us are going, oh, do we have to? <laughs> and I'm saying yes. Not every day, every hour of every day. Just be involved with each other. I know that's stretching. Hold each other accountable when needed, you know, in love, of course. Let grace flow through the church. Follow the biblical mandate for resolving conflict. I've preached on that one separately, so I won't go in, in it today, but can I just caution you? Just, just not peop- let's not be people who judge others. Let's not be people who undermine others or talk behind people's back. That's not Jesus' way. It's not the Bible, the biblical way. I just finished this point with this because um, I guess I'm trying to do big picture stuff here. There's not a lot of detail, but the most healthy church is the church where everyone is committed to loving God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and all our strength, and loving others and each other just like that too. That's a healthy church, I promise you. Put that one first, all the other little bits second. That's a healthy, growing church. Loving God with all our heart. All our mind, soul and strength. All right, we're doing good. Preaching on inward and upward growth is one thing, but putting it into practice is is another. And so I want to talk through what we can do to ensure we grow in our fellowship together inwards and how we grow outwards, reaching people, helping people find a place here in Hills Church. I'm going to share some practical things. This really is about a culture in Hills Church. It's a culture of growth, a culture of growth around growing together inwards and outwards. And remember, last week was upwards. I'm not neglecting that, but for today, here's what we value to develop this culture of growth. The first thing we value is the one who's not here yet. Now, Jesus was always thinking about the one not yet in his kingdom, You think about the parable of the lost coin and the lost sheep, obviously on his mind. And likewise, all the things we do as a church, our ministries, our services, our outreach, all those things, we do that thinking about the one who's not here yet. We value the person who's not here yet. Can we agree on that today? We value those who are outside of the church. You know, sometimes I feel like they're kind of just, they're sort of peering in a little bit and we need to open that door a little bit better. To help them find a way. The second thing we value is invitation and belonging. A growing church like this one, it's easy to struggle in this area. Not long ago, it was easy to know who's new to the church because we weren't as big. And so as pastors and as the church family, it was easy for us to get beside people and help them. But it does get harder as you, as you grow, and you have to adjust and be more intentional. And we all have our part to play in this to welcome 
and invite people in. And it might seem strange to say, why would I be giving an invitation to someone who's already here? But trust me, people can sit in this congregation and not feel like they're invited in. It can happen. And I don't say that to make anyone feel bad or guilty. It's just a reality. Yes, they may have been welcome the first couple of times that we're here, but that doesn't really mean people feel like they belong yet. So today I want us to agree together that we're going to have a culture of invitation. And what I mean by that is when God leads someone here, invite them to join you. Invite them to your small group or any, or perhaps another small group that, that suits them better. You know, invite them to a ladies' event. This is one of the reasons we have these ladies' events. They're great for connecting people. Invite them to the um, Extreme Character Challenge if you're uh, one of the men here. Or to one of the, the side door groups, like the cycling groups. Got, there's got, we've got two of those running now. And by the way, they are awesome. They are a great way of people being invited and belonging. During the older age bracket, there's the monthly seniors gathering. Invite them to lunch or dinner or coffee somewhere with you and your family or friends. Invite them to join you in a discussion after church in your friendship circle. Invite them to the Wednesday prayer service. You know, there's lots of things going on in the life of the church. I'm saying we want to have a culture of invitation. People actually have to be asked to come to things so that they can connect in and belong. If, not really, if they're not part of your demographic, introduce them to someone who is. I say let's have a culture of inviting people that God sends to us from outside and help them to find a place on the inside. We all have this role, church. It's not just the pastors. I need you to know that. It's not just the elders. It's not just the extroverted people. We can all do our small part. A culture of invitation extends to those outside of the church too. You know, I made the decision this week, Alpha this year, I'm moving up from term two to term three because we couldn't get the right people for term two who would normally host it. But term three is looking good. But you know what? That's going to come up on us really quick. And there is an opportunity once again for you to invite someone along to hear about Jesus, to experience the love of the church. And I encourage you to, to take advantage of that. Start praying now. Who's the one person, who's that one lost sheep that I can pray for and that I can invite? That's all I'm asking you to do. One last thing on this invitation thing, uh, just quickly, Pastor Steve and I are working on a new way to help newcomers find, find this pathway to belong because we've, we've realised that we need to be more intentional. We're going to introduce something called Growth Track next term. I'm excited about it. It's going to help people, and I'll share some more about that later on this term, about what that will look like. But today, I, want, I just want to say it again. Let's agree as a church that we're going to have a culture of invitation around here, and we're all going to play our part. The third thing is uh, we value unity and healthy relationships. So I've touched on, on this a little bit already. Let's agree together to value the unity of the body and work against anything that can be unhealthy. No personal agendas, putting others first, submitting to each other in uh, Christian submission. I think there's a sermon about that somewhere too over the last couple of years that you can find. Agree to disagree if we need to. Follow the biblical mandate for conflict resolution not judging others, strong unity and accountability with our, with our leadership team, letting the fruits of the Spirit be evident in everything we do and say, lifting others up 
encouraging others, submitting everything to prayer and praying bold prayers, trusting God with everything. Let's agree to have a culture of unity and health within the church. You know, if we all agree together that that is a value of ours, we can, we can hold together in Jesus' name, if you know what I mean, and have that unity. The next thing is we value accepting change. Who loves change? Well, that's good. There's no growth without change. Just let no one sink in for a second. Change for change's sake is not what I'm talking about. But when we do things better and we grow, change is inevitable and sometimes really hard. So let's agree together today that we can understand and accept change when it's done for the right reasons. And we can see the bigger picture of what is more important than sometimes our own personal likes and dislikes. The next thing we value is excellence. And I've put a note there because God is worth our best. Who agrees with me on that one? To be honest, I'm not a big fan of a half-hearted effort as a church because I'm not sure that sends the right message to our community. Actually, does it even send the right message to God? A half-hearted effort. Now, I know I've got a reputation for wanting straight lines of chairs, right? Especially on a, on a Sunday morning. And yes, people have a good nature go at me, and that's all good. But when, you know, when a visitor walks into our church, or in fact all of you, I want them to see that we actually care about this place, that we think that God is worth serving with our best. And yet I know I'm just talking about chairs out of alignment. That's just one thing. <laughs> but I'm just saying across the board, I love to serve God. You know, why does the church think that, we, that half heart is okay? You know, when you go to work, does your boss say, half-hearted's okay? No, no, no. He wants you to give your best. I think that we should do that for our Lord too. I think that, you know, if God loves the church, so do I. This is his bride. And I'll defend the church, by the way, to the end. If someone tries to damage it or knock it, I'm not a defender. Even though we do stupid things sometimes, <laughs> I'm still defending the church because God loves the church. You know, one of the reasons the music team is here every Wednesday night, they get here early every Sunday, is because they want to do their best for the people who gather and for God. So when we serve in any ministry, whatever that is, from cleaning toilets to sorting clothes, you know, we're serving in the playgroup, we want to agree together that we value excellence because God deserves our best. I don't, by the way, ever mean to put work above people. I don't mean to um, put serving above your family or anything like that. That's not me. You know that. Serving with excellence doesn't mean people are steamrolled or pushed aside because they're not living up to some kind of impossible standard. I am not saying any of those things. It means this group of people that God has put together pools their gifts, talents, money, time, and effort to serve God with our best. And in my opinion, doing that should bring satisfaction and joy. You know, we take great joy and satisfaction when we're, when we're actually working for the Lord and, and we, we produce a result for Him. Let's have that culture, that value in Hills Church. 
The next one is everyone serving and it's related. As I said, it's big picture stuff. These are all little, these are all sermons in of themselves. There's a truth in the old saying, you know, that um, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. However, I actually don't think that's true here. That's not my observation. So I think we do brilliantly in this particular area where we do share the load. That's what my observations have brought. We've got a good culture of serving here and, and people serving with joy and passion and love. So fantastic. But it's worth me mentioning it again. Keep going. You know, we value serving. Serving the church is not only done because the Bible talks about many parts of the body doing their part and having their role to play. It's actually a really good way for you to connect in with others. And we believe God gives us spiritual gifts and that he has given us a wide variety of, of abilities and talents and that as a follower of Jesus, those things, it's good to put them to use for God's kingdom within the church. You know, there's a warning in, from Jesus in, in the word that if we don't invest the gifts into the kingdom, there's kind of a warning that maybe he'll take them away. I think it's a warning to the church. Let's put to use the gifts that God has given us. So today I want to extend an invitation to you. If you're not serving in some capacity, I, have, I put no guilt or pressure on you. I just want to say, I encourage you, think about joining in. You're not only going to be part of the vision, you have the opportunity to meet some new people. And if that bit scares you, you know, the meeting of the people bit, we make it as gentle as possible. Because this is a, a church full of, of loving, friendly people. That's been my experience anyway. In your bulletin today is a, a list of, of ministries. And I want you to pray about, God, are you calling me to serve in one of these ministries it needs to be sustainable, of course. Your family always comes first. Your walk with the Lord comes first. But if there is an opportunity for you in your life to, to serve in some way, then I want to encourage you to take out your connections card on the back of there. You can just write your name and the ministry you're interested in, and the, the particular ministry leader will be in contact with you to talk about that with you. I want to encourage you to value serving in the church. Here's the good thing. If everybody does their small part, no one should be overworked in the church. No one should be overburdened with too much. So have a, pray about that and think about that. Last thing is we value everything for God's glory, and I always bring it back to this. It's, it's our number one mission is that we, we serve, we, we, have, we do everything for, for, the glory, for God's glory, not for our glory. And we, we have to always flow back that way. You know, that mission statement we have, by the way, it flows in both directions. Glorify God, you know, embrace people. This is what we're about. Planting seeds of the gospel, making disciples. So we do glorify God first. We do those other things. And then all those other things are done because we're glorifying God. They're done for his glory. And that's who we are and what we're about as a church. Everything for God's glory. I think, church, that God is calling us to grow in all of these ways. And we are growing. I'm seeing the fruit. I'm hearing the testimonies from people. I, I believe we're going to have more fruit out, of, fruit out of reading this together. It excites me. It does mean change is happening. But don't be sad. 
Be glad about growth because growth means discipleship. Growth means healthy church. Growth means lives are changing. And I think that makes God glad. And then, therefore, so should we. Would you stand with me? Last week, we we prayed for all of our small group leaders out the front. This week, I want to pray for our ministry leaders. Now, I only just found out before the service today that for good reasons, there's quite a few ministry leaders away. But we're going to pray for them anyway. That means that there's only a handful of you here. So I'm going to ask you to come forward now. We want to pray for you. So if you're a ministry leader in any capacity, I just want you to come forward. And elders, would you just come and surround them and put your... Hands on their shoulders. We're going to be praying for them as a church. Gather in the middle. As I said, there's a few not here today. (laughs) All right. Church, would you pray for our ministry leaders together? Um, I'm praying for 2020 for our, our ministries to be Um, For God's glory, powerful and effective. And to reach people and to disciple people and to bring us together as a church. So let's pray for them now. Please join me. Lord, we thank you for who you've gathered here. We thank you, God, that you are the one who appoints and that, Lord, you have, you're the one that empowers through your Holy Spirit and you're the one that gifts us. And so our prayer this morning For these ministry leaders and um, the three or four who couldn't make it today, God, our prayer for all of them is for for 2020 to be a breakthrough year for them, Lord Jesus. Um, We think of uh, Adam with our youth and young adults and and Julie with that up shop and and Jody with that coffee shop and Emma with the play group. And we think of um, the worship team and the seniors ministry and the small groups ministry and the prayer team. Lord, we... We think of the hosting team and probably the ones that aren't coming to mind, but God, you know them, and I pray um, your hand of favour on all of them, Lord Jesus. I I pray, God, for um, these ministries to reach the lost like they never have before, for these ministries, Lord, to bring mercy and justice into our community like they never have before, for these ministries, Lord, to... Um, Raise up disciples, fully devoted disciples of Christ like they never have before. God, we need you. We need your Holy Spirit's power to be um, active and, and to be filling us as we go, Lord. And we pray for that this morning. We pray, Holy Spirit, come. Grow your church. Grow your church, Lord. And may we be that shining light. May we be the, the, the salt in our community like you have told us to be. God, we submit to you again this morning uh, with our open serving hands and say, Lord, we are here to be your servants. You are our King and our Lord. And we thank you for what you have done in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for what you are doing in your church. God, bless your church, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.